Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. With the mask not adding up, you said I'm checking it out. I'm working to the ground. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard, at P.A. Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Some other stuff. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That's that's what we're going with. Um, Let's start off with a Flash rookie report. Why not? Um, I've been important... You don't care, but I've been in a lot to my uh, weekly database to improve the public one as well including bringing in a lot more stats. And while I was doing it, I decided to import my uh, sophomore model, which I typically only look at uh, in the off-season, trying to assess how rookies did overall in the rookie season and where I'm at on them going forward. But I was I was here, so why not? Um, at the wide receiver position, there are quite a few wide receivers doing significantly well. Rondell Moore, Jamar Chase, obviously. Kadarius Tony, a little bit of a surprise, but over the last few games... I think you're pretty much all aware of exactly the athletic feats he's pulling off despite his recent ankle injury and um, and he's producing well enough that on a per game basis it looks like a good rookie season so far I'm out on it but there you go uh Jalen Waddle's doing pretty well and Devontae Smith's doing well below that uh those are all of them uh, that's those are the ones that are doing well enough right now that I think in the off season I will be interested in more than I was um, as a rookie season. As you notice, Elijah Moore, who I was really high on, is below where I'd like to see him if this is if the season finished today. Um, this target share um, and stuff like that's pretty decent. But again, the sophomore model takes on into account the per game performance, uh, kind of adjusted for his overall volume for the season. Um, and yeah, it's just low. He's just not quite doing what um, I would like to see. Again, if the season ended right now. Um, Omar St. Brown is close to the line and um, more close closer to the line than uh, Elijah Moore is right now and that's really interesting because it's only really picked up the last couple games and I don't know the noise on it seems kind of quiet in my small little bubble anyway um, he, he's right on the threshold actually uh, looking at it, um, I only mention it because there were a lot of us wondering. He had a borderline decent profile with opportunity standing in front of him. Um, I'm not seeing a Donald Mooney here, but I do think, especially based on the lack of noise going on around him right now, um, that he's worth knowing about and paying attention to. If he's free, available, throw him into a trade, that kind of stuff. Dami Brown's being pretty disappointing. He's another one I was pretty high on coming in and Anthony Swartz from earlier in the season that showed some promise he's since died down so those are the names that stick out to me uh, Swartz and Josh Palmer he, he was another fun name this offseason uh, kind of on about the same level based on the sophomore model um 
tight end's not really worth talking about. There's there's just Carl uh, Pitts. He's having a remarkably good rookie season. Um, below that, especially where we're kind of like a slower burn, I mean, I'm buying no offense now. So <laughs> I, I tend to do a slower burn on tight end as it is. Um, but uh, Pat Fairmouth, Tommy Tremble, uh, Kalen Granson, eh, yeah, they're doing fine for rookie tight ends. Um, where uses can tend to explode a little bit more in the second year overall, and tight ends are kind of slower into their career. It's not too concerning that they're low if you like them in particular, but those are the only ones that really show up outside of Kyle Pitts, who looks like he's having a great rookie season. This is what that feels like, by the way. This is, this is what I was saying about overall production and how the value will be there but I think it will be kind of muted because that tends to be what happens with tight ends even a great rookie season like an Evan Ingram or now a Kyle Pitts tends to be somewhat disappointing running back uh well running back is volume and so they tend to what's the word that's not too nerdy it's less of a concern especially where opportunity can open up team decisions can be made but so far Najee Harris is just killing it I think he's going to be a top five running back if he's not already in most people's ranks by now and for next offseason uh Chubba Hubbard uh he's playing today so without Christian McCaffrey again so no one's going to be sleeping on him for much longer but again he was having a pretty good per game uh, rookie season so far so is Javante Williams obviously Elijah Mitchell Michael Carter Kenneth Gamewell um, who was high on and came low on just based on some tape concerns mostly which I do try to listen to at running back he's earning a significant enough role that he's actually doing pretty well below that we have plenty of names we like deep and Trey Sermon's just a bomb for various other reasons and but I'm not too concerned especially running backs that we like that were deeper Going into their second seasons, I don't think their value is going up particularly, but they're still worth keeping an eye on if you like them as rookies, obviously. Um, but those are the only names that really pop off um, at running back. Now, the conversation I want to get into today is actually uh, not rookies. I was just looking at that and I thought it was interesting, so I thought I'd share it with you all. Um, but it's uh, quarterback, which is not somewhere I like to spend a lot of my time, as you know, but um, I was talking... Uh, having a very polite conversation on Twitter because I had an opinion that people disagreed with, so it was all very polite and nice. Um, actually, a lot of it was. It always is. It's underrated and why I enjoy the space. But um, I just feel I felt uh, where I'm at on Jalen Hurts is that he's doing enough to keep his roster spot. He's good enough to keep his roster spot. Is he more fantasy points than actual play right now? Yeah, I can accept that. In fact, what I was struck with mostly by the conversation, even by very good points brought up to counter my opinion that he would hold his roster spot and therefore in fantasy we should probably like him just fine. Um, we're missing, I know it kind of comes back to Sigmund Bloom's assumption of rational coaching, um, but it's more to do with the, the part we miss about what Sigmund, I think, um, was partly implying there is our inability to know what is rational. I mean, we see, oh, I see definitely everything through a fantasy lens. Um, and a lot of people who don't like Jalen Hurts right now are seeing it through a how it looks. Um, and the way he's making his points don't match up um, to the quality of play they're seeing. And the weird part I found about it is I was quite happy to give all the ground they wanted. He's a terrible passer. Okay. I would say he's below average. And 
where my process is mostly finding out what's a narrative and not helpful for predicting the future and then just ignoring it. Here's, here's one of those narratives we haven't seen enough yet. Now, I do that with quarterbacks that haven't played enough games. We've seen five games from Carl Pitts last year, I think four last year, where he's actually above average um, in passing, which gave a lot of people a lot of hope since, uh, you know, he was also a rusher, and he's I think he's got one of the large, ru- largest rush shares for a quarterback this year. It's like at 40% or so. Um, and so that's definitely following through. But his passings drop off. And from what I gather, most of uh, the people trying to evaluate him based on watching him um, find that he's terrible. He's making bad decisions, bad throws, holding the ball, staring down receivers, all the mistakes. Um, and I don't care. Uh, and it's not because I care more about the fantasy points. It's because I don't know how much that matters it reminds me of a it's a baseball adage i keep going back to it's would you rather have a, a a raw talent that is missing all the nuance of the game or would you rather have someone that's got the nuance nailed down but they have very similar stats the adage is meant to say you want the raw prospect because then once you improve their raw natural uh, their 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 um the nuances of their game um then there's a ceiling there. They can improve their game, and they're already producing similar stats. Now, that's outside of fantasy stats. I'm talking literally on a per-game basis. When you look at Pacer, when you look at um, his ability to complete the ball uh, or complete passes, and even his danger throw rate or bad throw percentage, which is something I just imported before week six, which I imagine it's going to go up slightly based on the utter hate that's coming for Jalen Hurts right now, he actually had um, a significantly low bad throw percentage. It was at like 9% of his throws were rated as bad or bad decisions or whatever you want to call them, um, based on pro football references data at least. Now, again, that's probably going to go up from week six, but that before, um, between in weeks one to five, his bad throw percentage was the same as Kyler Murray. Now, something that was brought up was by Cooper Adams from DLF, who's really cool dude, and you should check him out. Um, but uh, the team's passing less. In fact, its air yards per game has dropped dramatically, especially where they're relying on Jalen Hurts to run the ball um, through a lot of uh, run-pass options, which is something Bobby Koch, um, former DLF and now just casual analyst, I guess. I don't know. He's, he's, he's got a real job now. Um uh, mentioned is that the run, the, the run pass option is basically uh, a feign every time now. There is no run option uh, or there is no pass option. He's keeping the ball much more um, than most quarterbacks would keep it. Um, and it's probably because he's struggling a little bit in the passing game, which, again, more than happy to forgive. But even this season, he's had two above average passing games. Now, I'm just using the stat pacer, which is racer, but for the quarterback stat, which is just how well you're converting air yards into receiving yards now this is part of the problem with quarterback stats i actually haven't been at the test and i don't know how much of pacer is related to the quarterback versus his receivers and the fact Devontae smith and zach Ertz, who's now traded and uh, dallas got it um are both pretty all good receivers that's probably helping them out slightly but essentially based on josh herzman's original work on pacer it adjusts for the depth of pass and essentially just tells you how well they're converting their air yards based on the situation they're in. So it's meant to be at least more of a quarterback stat. I haven't 
been able to test it myself, but I'm just going to trust the research a little bit here and say that Pacer is situational, situational independent because it adjusts the depth of pass and say that before now, in the last five games, even this season, Jalen Hurts has had two pretty good games where he was converting um, air yards into receiving yards at an above average rate, and three that were actually pretty terrible, including uh, week six, which is obviously going to drop it slightly. But avoiding the narrative of we don't know yet, it's too soon. Again, that's something I use for someone like Tua or Justin Fields because we really haven't seen multiple games in a row. Um, people haven't been able to see them in full flow without injuries and other um, uh, problems breaking up the games they can play in a row or the passes they can make or the they're easing into a system, for example. But someone like Fields, where we've seen five games in a row, we saw games last year, I'm more than happy to accept that he's a below-average passer right now. Now, Josh Allen now exists, so we do have a path to a player drastically improving their accuracy or their ability to convert air yards into receiving yards. Although, again, that goes to Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, and even Cole Beasley last year, or the year before Josh Allen finally improved his accuracy, being able to help that stat if they're particularly good receivers. But overall, I'm just going to trust it's more of a quarterback stat. For now, at least. So I think the... This, the floor is exaggerated with Jalen Hurts. It's not that he can't improve at least a little bit, and it's not that he can't convert air yards to receiving yards fairly effectively, even um, this year in different games. But I will accept that he's a average to below average passer. I just think we're slightly exaggerating how deeply the team might feel that based on having literally just seen two games where he visually looked bad. Um, and this is, I think, the lesson I took most from Josh Allen, which is that team investment is everything in this situation. If they're willing to take that first baseball player, the player that's converting or able to put up similar stats and help them move the ball and be better in game and try to improve them, then that's what we should pay attention to. Because Buffalo definitely signaled all the way along that they were willing to do that. Um, giving up on Tyree Taylor is just the start of it, and um, despite the fact him being a pretty good comp from Jalen Hurts and slightly underrated himself. So, one of the concerns that was raised is that, uh, concerns, yeah, some of it was said that nicely, um, was that the Eagles have lots of draft capital this this uh, next this next draft season, and so his replacement was all but assured. I just think that's slightly exaggerated, based on literally having witnessed two games that look bad, based on everything the team's done before now to signal they are invested in Jalen Hurts. They went through one off season. They've tried to build the offensive line. They've been trying to surround him with weapons by drafting wide receivers, and they seem pretty committed to the process. So. Again, back to the assumption of rational coaching. Now, from our perspective, it, I really do agree that it makes sense to continually re-roll at quarterbacks. It's such an essential point or part of a winning NFL team, having a good quarterback and then build the team around them, which again, seems to be what the Eagles are trying to do. And that's why I think they're committed to this road and the draft capital that they have to replace potentially. And Jalen Hurts doesn't scare me so much. Now, I do think it would be rational overall, long long-term or broad-reaching to just continually tank or give up on quarterbacks until you find one that you feel much more comfortable with in whatever scheme that you want to run. But I think the Eagles, like the Bills before them, are showing that they're trying to build a scheme around what they have right now. So is that rational from a broad perspective? No, because you should really keep going. 
even though there are only very few Justin Herberts, there are only few, very few Kyler Murrays, very few Patrick Mahomes, and we tend to only get, you know, really five of those in, in, in a quarterback era that are significantly exceptional or above average even in NFL standards, you should just keep going. But is that rational from a real-world perspective when you're a team that literally doesn't care about anything that we care about and you have to roll out good product from a business point of view and that most NFL fans could give a flip about fantasy football? We tend to get isolated in our own little bubble and think stats, how well you're producing, how likely you are to win a Super Bowl, and also that the only way to win a Super Bowl is literally by building a super team because we're fantasy-oriented even though, you know, pl- plenty of teams have won Super Bowls without elite quarterbacks, but just decent or decently above average quarterbacks and so on and so forth, or how many Super Bowls has Aaron Rodgers run and so on and so forth. Even Patrick Mahomes only has one, but still. Um, we, we get locked into our way of thinking too much. But if you're an NFL coach, and continually as we find draft season and decisions NFL teams make, surprising I just don't think we're weighing in enough of the factors that we literally don't care about that most of their fans could give a crap about any of the stuff that I just mentioned. It's more, is the team competitive every game? Is the team fun to watch? Are the players to root for? Is the product good? Um, Now, that might not seem rational from our perspective of building the best team to produce the most stats to go win a Super Bowl, and they are all trying to do that, obviously, since that's the end goal in real football as well. But it's not necessarily taking into account all the real-world concerns that an NFL team has. And by accepting that some of the decisions aren't irrational, but just rational based on other motivations, I think you can start to see, or I hope to start to be able to read better, which quarterbacks are more likely to hold a roster spot. Beyond that, I don't think he's Blake Bortles. Now, when I raise that name... um, People were comparing them directly, and obviously there's no comparison. Blake Bortles wasn't that much of a runner. He wasn't producing most of his stats in garbage time, as is the narrative around Blake Bortles. He just threw a lot of air yards, and that's different. It wasn't specifically always after the game was lost. I believe Josh Hernsmeyer actually did a study on that, or crunched the numbers on that, to find that despite the fact it felt like they were just throwing when the game was already lost, that wasn't true. It's more that... They gave Blake Bortles three years, or several years, three or four years. And like most quarterbacks in, for most teams get significant run. So even if Jalen Hurts is as terrible as he is observed to be and looks while he's producing, I think they're going to keep going with him anyway because of real-world concerns. I literally don't, not even aware of because I don't care about. I just care about fantasy football, and this team seems to have already made a significant commitment to building a team around the quarterback situation they have. Now, could I be wrong on that, considering how much draft capital they have? Yeah. I also think right now the sentiment in our little fantasy football community is too largely negative based on recently bad games and observing him looking terrible. I think the team overall by the end of the season with more good games thrown in are going to see that their team is a lot more effective this year. They are converting. Last year they were literally dead last in pacer uh, on a team level. The team converted air yards to receiving yards worse than any other team. Now through weeks 1 to 5 they rank about 8th. Now, based on what I know of week six, I think they're going to drop slightly. But overall, I think they're going to see the team has overall improved in their ability to do what they want, which is move the ball effectively. 
And honestly, yeah, you can improve aspects of a quarterback if they're committed to him. And again, that's what we learned with Josh Allen. It's what we also learned with Tyrod Taylor when the Bills just wanted to give up, despite him being largely overrated. He, Tyrod Taylor, even this year, um, for the Chargers. Now, I also think it was silly to expect to sit Herbert behind Tyrod Taylor for so long. But the fact is, when Tyrod Taylor was on the field, he was he was actually effective. Um, and you can see why the Chargers were willing to go with him and hope their uh, rookie QB could develop um, without as much pressure. I can understand how that was rational from a, from a real-world perspective if you've already got a quarterback who's actually fairly effective at performing in the offense significantly above average but here this all seems like a narrative but it's a narrative strung together by ignoring the ones the stories that we tell ourselves that literally don't seem to relate to what actually happens most often in real life again can accept that he's a bad passer because it we haven't seen enough yet like with wide receiver position it's often exaggerated the market um in fantasy moves on effectively and actually efficiently from wide receivers relatively rarely missing if we fade a player in adp they typically fail um or fail for fantasy after that point where the market's actually fairly effective so the old trope we give up too soon tends to not be true we give up about the right time and it's more often good to follow the market than not um we've talked about this before how we can make exceptions and those few that are missed tend to be inexplicable from their production or their sophomore model uh, performance um based on what they did in their rookie season a large percentage of the six percent we actually got wrong is tyler boyd and uh, yeah, I have no idea why we faded him in ADP in that rookie season. So it is possible to see where the outliers are going to come. It's not like the ones that actually do perform well after that um, had been terrible up to that point and the market was uh, accurately downgraded them um, in ADP uh, only for them to continue to perform and then for us to have to adjust. In fact, the ones that we miss on by dropping in ADB tend to have performed pretty well, and it's some sort of weird small wide receiver, BMI wide receiver, whatever it is, that we have believed that narrative on. And again, that doesn't tend to be true largely uh, more than 50 or even 50% of the time. So by ignoring narratives like that, I think we can do better as fantasy players and... Um, uh, by paying attention to the stuff that might actually be relevant. And in this case, I think it's whether the team is invested enough. And I think after just seeing some recently bad games, which I do, I will need this to improve. They're going to have to win games because one of the things that's going to count in this isn't just them converting air yards and being more effective at executing uh, the game plan they intend, but also they're going to want to see more wins than they had last year. And so far, they're on pace not to do that. So I'm going to see more good performance in the in the sense of actually winning games from Hertz for him really to keep the team investment going on him otherwise that draft capital will start to loom slightly larger but right now I think our experience of how he's producing points uh, and our disdain for liking players that produce fantasy points but don't look good on the football field might be exaggerating um, our hatred of Jalen Hurts so essentially what I'm saying is I think there's a flaw of the team just continuing to roll out a below-average passer 
um, who's able to score points because he's a rushing quarterback. Blake Bortles was actually significant value for several years in fantasy because we knew he was bad. We just didn't know when they would do something about it. I actually, though, don't think he's going to be quite that bad or effective at managing the Eagles um, as Blake Bortles was for the Jaguars. And I think um, the team might, might be more encouraged and even less inclined to move on from him. And I do think there's not improvement but stabilization in what he's able to do on a game-by-game basis and so I'm taking I'm seeing Jalen Hurts right now as that first baseball player there is work to be done but I think he has a team willing to actually do the work and already as he is he's effective enough we can expect at least an average passer I'm not expecting a Josh Allen jump just because it's happened once doesn't mean it's going to start happening a lot but we've actually seen him be an average to an above average passer and he's a, an effective uh, and uh, large-scale rushing quarterback as well. So I think he could continue on a lot further than people are feeling right now in either case. Because, again, teams tend to re-roll Blake Bortles is because of real-world concerns we think of as irrational, which is which are probably just rational decisions based on criteria we don't care about. And um, because I actually think uh, that he could stabilize what he's able to do on a game-by-game pro- uh, basis uh, in terms of actual performance, not just in terms of fantasy points, um, uh, to continue and maintain that team investment. And that's really where the signal is on players that are actually underperforming in a literal skill sense on the football field. That, that makes sense? Any of that makes sense? Yeah, I just think we're slightly down on Jalen Hurts right now. And I think once you remove the narratives, you can see that the player isn't doing as well as we really need him to. But as long as you think the team is going to keep re-rolling it or keep investing in him, um, that's what we have to be concerned about. And I think based on off the back of a couple bad games, we are overly convinced right now the team won't want to continue. And so from here to the end of the season, a few good games or uh, several good games, at least five extra wins, um, could really offset... Um, our current feelings on Jalen Hurts' ability to maintain the roster. And again, that's just me. I also happen to think we're seeing kind of the tail end of the new QB era come in. It's not that other quarterbacks won't come in and be great. It's just the league is currently stocked right now with young quarterbacks, which just makes me wonder how many more are there to come. You know, we have the 2004 class or whatever that's starting to age out right now, and the Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray era that's already working in with Matt Ryan um, and Tom Brady, I guess, the last of the old guard um, at the top of the league as well. Well, Matt Ryan is in the top of the league this year. I shouldn't end it on that note, but you know what I mean. How many more are we going to get in the next three draft classes when we're already seeing this explosion of elite um, quarterbacks. It just makes me wonder um, if there's many more great ones to come and whether the Eagles will feel that way as well. All right, so that's where I'm at. Um, and that's all I meant about Jalen Hurts, I guess. Uh, anything else? No. Uh, what does that mean? Actionable information. Um, I would definitely test the waters, especially if you're on a competitive team, because no one's disagreeing that he's going to keep putting up fantasy points because of his legs. It's more about his long-term future. If you're on a wing team, kind of makes sense to trade for Jalen Hurts because you can expect somewhat of a higher floor and perhaps a lower, uh, higher ceiling and perhaps a lower floor um, uh, because of the potential for the for the. 
why would you call them fantasy points but no real points uh, plays that are going on. Um, and if you're on a losing team, I also think it makes sense to maybe see how the Jalen Hurts team uh, owner um, is feeling because I think there's more years in the tank here than even the lowest expectations for Jalen Hurts are really taking into account because what's rational to us isn't necessarily rational to an NFL team. But again, there is risk there once you take into account. You have to make a decision for yourself. How likely is the team to uh, keep using him next year at least? And if they roll him over into the next year, I, I think we're looking at multiple years of whether he's just what we've seen over the last two games, whether there's a slightly higher ceiling than I believe um, uh, for, for at least two more years. If they don't replace him this season, I think he's, he's pretty much in there. And so he could be, you know, Worst case, uh, a Blake Bortles value with fantasy points and no real actually QB play. But I do think the level of his QB play is the low level of his QB play is being exaggerated. Uh, they're a mystery source, and if he looks bad, maybe you just want to go with that. But I do think there's upside in a dynasty league to noticing that this is a heavy reaction to a small sample size. And if you think the team is more invested in him, than a lot of people apparently do right now based off uh, the last few games, um, largely. I think they're confirming an assumption that, you know, a a lower-drafted quarterback who's more of a rusher can't compete in the passing game. And again, we have many games in his nine-game sample where he's a very effective passer, whether it looked good or not. And I think if you can prove those ancillary traits if the team feels they can anyway, um, then there's much more of a longer-term uh, upside for them to keep rolling them out than not. Um, all right, so that's, that's that's my first quarterback take in a while. Uh, and, yeah, I'll stand by it, come back. If they replace him this offseason, then uh, we'll, we'll just put it on the, the lost pile. Anyway, um, yeah, check out the database when I release it this weekend. It's going to have a lot more stats, and even the seasonal trend tab is going to be a little more, more organized and uh, straightened up because I realized I couldn't just start uh, keep expanding the season stats column because now there's like there's a lot of seasonal stats now we're into week five from bad throw rates to contact bef- uh, yards before and after contact and it just it was looking pretty pretty hefty and so I've broken it down into smaller chunks and you can also see the week to week stats um, uh, running to the right I don't know why I'm trying to describe a table on a podcast yeah I think we're done here um, anyway, uh, also uh, check out me and Di- DLF contributor to be named because Dynasty Outhouse can't make it this week um, on YouTube, Twitch and another YouTube channel for DLF uh, talking about literally what's happening in games right now that I'm not able to watch because I'm busy talking to you um, on Wednesday at 9.30 live every week. Uh, love to see you there. Thanks very much and I'll talk to you again next week and on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking
picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the place, though He enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the place, though He enumerates the plays, they're analytical